Hey everybody, welcome to Detox Podcast. I'm Denise Walker, your host, and this is episode 38. It's called Unmooring, and we are one week away from the launch of Pick Your Poison Volume 2, a whole new collection of poems just like these that we've been uh, diving into together. April 20th, that's when it releases, just one more week. I'm so excited. Um, I'm actually getting sick, I think. I've been vomiting. <laughs> I know I feel really run down, so I hope that this can like make its course through me before the weekend comes, because that would just be a real bummer. <laughs> and stage anxiety would be the least of my worries at that point. Uh, so maybe, I don't know, maybe in, in a way that could be even a blessing. Um, next week's episode, I'm going to have some different news to share with you instead of telling you about my book launch, um, every week. So excited about that. Uh, change it up and let you know some different exciting news. Um, yeah. So if you want to buy Pick Your Poison Volume 2, um, I do have a new website uh, it's almost ready. There's just one more thing that needs to be updated, which is just the description of the podcast episodes, but the rest of the, it is good to go. Uh, you can check it out. My new website and new brand is actually called Denise Speaks. So the website is Denise Speaks, or sorry, it's DeniseWalkerSpeaks.com. And there you'll be able to access all the events that I'm doing and workshops um, listen to this podcast through there. Um, if you're already listening, I'm sure you've found a way to, to find it without that. Or maybe you're a new listener and you're listening to this for the first time and that's how you found it, which is super cool. Uh, you can sign up for my newsletter and you'll get all the deets, lots of love from me, um, updates and so forth. And yeah, I'm really excited. Really excited about it. Man, people just say they're excited about stuff, right? Like when they're trying to like pump themselves up and like sell themselves. Like, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited about my website. I'm so excited about my book. Like, maybe there's a way that we could actually uh, give that to the world without being so redundant. It's almost like being excited isn't like it's lost all meaning. Um, I might have to pause this baby because I've ordered uh, Splash Poke on Skip the Dishes, um, so I'm kind of just monitoring that, uh, but you probably won't even notice. Um, but I'm going to be watching my Skip the Dishes map as I talk to you. <laughs> okay. Um, yesterday I bought a Monstera Deliciosa plant. And I know my designer and best friend, Lydia Stewart, uh, who does all my book covers and my website, and she's amazing, is probably super jealous because uh, she loves them. And I'm not sure. It's sitting right in front of me. So it's kind of like, it's almost like it's my 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 special guest on this episode. Um, but yeah, it's, it's now sitting in front of me in my little home office. And I'm not entirely sure what to name it. My fiddle leaf fig tree, um, which I've managed to keep alive, is named Figgy. Um, pretty, pretty chill name. It's like naming your dog Puppy, but <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm thinking along the lines of like Hermes for like Mercury and communication and things like that. Um, but I also have heard that this plant is called 
a hurricane plant. And that used to be my name when I got blackout drunk was Hurricane, Hurricane Denise. And uh, I was basically just an unstoppable force that could not be reckoned with. Is that a word? Reckoned with? I don't know, but I couldn't be reasoned with. I couldn't be stopped. All I did was uh, destroy everything in my path on my way to consume more alcohol. Yeah, so perhaps Hurricane. We'll see. It might be a good reminder, but it might be a bad reminder. Who knows? Uh, but let's get into it. This poem is called Unmooring. It's short. Here it is. My mind begged to float away, so I severed it at the cord. Clouds filled my eyes until I dreamed of nothing more. And yeah, another poem about escape. Escaping. That's what we have just all been doing since we experienced something that needed to be escaped from. It's such a natural human response. We are all doing it in some way or another. And I reached out to my Instagram followers for uh, ways that they used to escape. Because for me, I have my ways. Obviously, alcohol I escaped with. And, uh, and things like that. But alcohol was truly my poison. But there's so much other things out there, so many other things out there, um, like sex and other all drugs, right? Like any other drug, cocaine, mushrooms, ecstasy, anything that alters our reality and puts us in a place that is different than where we are now. Something that takes us out of the moment and puts what's in front of us on the back burner and to be dealt with at a later date, or perhaps never if we continue the ingestion and use of those substances. There's so many things that we're escaping from. Motherhood, work stress, family stress. Oh, those are big for me. Like, having a father who is bipolar, it made for a really volatile, unpredictable uh, difficult to reconcile environment that I was living in and growing up in. And it was teaching me, it was teaching me that the people that you love can change quickly. And they're not always the same as when you thought they, what they were last. And tomorrow they might be different. And it kind of gave me this fear that people could just change in an instant and not be what you remember them to be um, but learning how to love and want to be around them anyway but I was constantly escaping from that and at first I was I was using self-harm as my form of escape um, I was cutting myself and that was giving when you cut yourself you there's a rush of endorphins that happens to counteract the pain and the trauma that you've just experienced. So that, that was the form of like the dopamine hits that alcohol gives you. That's what was happening back then. And the, the act of it 
it's addictive. The chemical release that happens in your body takes you out of the pain and suffering that you're in. Um, even though you are inflicting pain on yourself, there is that release uh, that happens. And what's interesting is that I thought I just went from self-harm to alcohol. Like, I didn't think that there was anything in between. Like, I just started, you know, drinking in my teens and partying, and it just became an, a really easy transition into alcohol addiction. Except when I was researching this, I was looking at ways that people escape, and I was doing research into why we escape. And I came across this list of, like, ways people escape. And it was a, it said, do you hop from relationship to relationship and have very short relationships. And I was like, wait a minute. When I was in high school, I had one boyfriend that I had for like 18 months. And then after that, I had boyfriends, like my parents would call them the boy de jours. And I would have a boyfriend for about a month to two months. And as I entered into that relationship, it was like, sparks galore, fireworks, so much lust and love energy and just excitement, you know? And then as time went on, not a lot of time, that newness, that fresh excitement died. And my interest in the relationship flipped like a switch and I broke it off with them. And I couldn't understand. I didn't understand until literally yesterday. Literally last night, I didn't understand why I was doing that. And none of my friends were acting like this. All my friends either didn't have relationships at all, or... Um, they, well, actually, none of them had relationships. And I kept being like, oh, well, like, at least I'm experimenting and, like, seeing what I like, what I don't like. And maybe there is some truth in that. And it did, you know, help me process, like, what I do and do not like in a partner. But it was so much more than that. They didn't have the same things in their life that they were trying to escape from. I had intergenerational trauma that I didn't understand until uh, six months ago that I was escaping from. I had a whole reality that I was trying to get out of by, by searching for love that has such an intense reaction inside the body and inside the brain and in the on the internet in that article or maybe in one of the little search results there what came up it, it was from the other side it was like are you tired of your friend coming to you every like two months and telling you that he's the one and you can see like growing old together and having children and like oh my god everything is perfect and then suddenly they break up with them and they're on to the next guy who they treat the exact same way and tell you all about how they're perfect and the one that was literally me like I was that person seeing like such a fantastic future with this person and then suddenly nothing and being like nope not interested anymore goodbye see you later and I went from this like intense compassionate loving person to cold disconnected, off. And that, that was my second way of getting a fix. And 
as I grew up, through having those really short relationships, I eventually, like my alcohol use revved up. I entered into a relationship that was like six months to a year. Um, That was like the next longest one I ever had. And it was really tumultuous, very emotional. We both had substance problems that we didn't really know about until after, you know? We both had mental health issues. We both had insane emotional need to have those dopamine hits from another person. And since it was so tumultuous, there would be really low lows and really high highs. And and the highs every time coming from, from a low gave that hit of dopamine, gave that hit of excitement. And that kept me around for a while, you know? And then all of a sudden it wasn't enough and I cut it off, you know? And it wasn't worth it. For a, lo- for a lot of reasons um, for me, but not just because I needed a fix. Uh, there were like, I, I really did love that person. And I know that my love is real, but it wasn't until, you know, after that, that my drinking really revved up and took the place of love addiction. And then I entered into my relationship that I currently have now, which is almost seven years strong. And I, I always wondered why this one, you know? Like, yeah, he's amazing and I love him so much, but why was I able to stick around? I never really understood. Like, why wasn't I so gung-ho and then all of a sudden not like I was before? And was it because I was older and I had done so much kind of like field research through all of these men Or was it because alcohol had taken the place of the escapism and it was enough for me? The intense amount that I was drinking took the place of the love addiction. I was able to stay in love with my current partner. And that really blew my mind last night. I was like, oh my God, my mind has just literally cracked wide open. And now I, I feel like the more I heal these parts of me and the more that I take away the things that are giving me these hits, they just kind of transfer to something less harmful. Like right now for me, I would say it's probably scrolling through my phone, social media addiction, technology addiction, watching TV, things like that, um, which arguably is way less harmful than a chemical substance that I'm putting in my body, right? But uh, on that note, I would really love to talk to you about cannabis use. I know I touched on it a while ago, but I'd really like to get into it now um, because something happened to me this week that really made me uh, have to analyze it. So the other day, I posted on Instagram a poem uh, about being on this bus ride uh, back from my band concert. And I had been really close to a person who just went on and on about uh, these drinking stories and then also about her drug use. And 
it was like 45 minutes of these stories and it's really triggering for me and especially with like a stranger I don't like other than that bus ride I never said a word to her before I just I I don't feel like I can <laughs> just be like hey you're being really triggering right now so if you mind just not talking about alcohol or how you used to sm sneak away to smoke pot in in junior high or whatever it was I don't know not junior high probably high school um instead of going to band class I don't know I I just feel like I'm not there yet but maybe maybe this will this means that I'm opening up towards it so hopefully I'll be able to you know let people know when I'm having a tough time but I wrote this poem about it because when people do tell those stories it literally feels like I can deeply relate to those things those times and it used to be a lot of fun you know it used to be part of my identity and like I could really relate to the things that she was saying she used to do and you know it used to be really fun for me until you know I developed a really severe addiction to it and those times were turned from fun into horrible and I was harming myself and my friends and my family and all my loved ones and it wasn't fun anymore you know like I was, it wasn't good. And to just be like blatantly, casually talking about overconsumption to the point of being reliant on it and then laughing about it, you know, once, once you see, you can't unsee, right? I'm, I'm in this sober life now where I see just how detrimental those comments were to me and how they made things seem so normal and it kept me drinking. And so when I hear it from other people, I can see, oh, you know what? I actually see a lot of myself in this person. Maybe they actually deep down are struggling with this and they are just looking for some validation and uh, normalization of what they're going through. Um, even though that's not necessarily the most healthy way to be do going about it. Um, so I had a friend who, who read that and she messaged me and she said, Hey, I'm just wondering, like, um, you mentioned, uh, that the stories about her, her doing drugs was triggering for you. Like, did you used to use drugs? And I was like, no, I didn't used to use drugs. Um, just alcohol. And she's like, well, do you still smoke pot? And I was like, yeah, I actually do still smoke pot. And she's like, well, don't you think? that's a little hypocritical. And that really um, rocked me because I didn't feel shame or like deep discomfort because she was like touching a, a dark truth of mine. When she said that, I, I felt uh, quite misunderstood by it um, because I don't preach I don't, I, I don't preach that you have to be completely sober from everything. I just preach education on it and knowing when something is harming you. And like that's why this poetry collection is called Pick Your Poison is because alcohol was my poison, but there's so many things that we turn to to alter ourselves. And at some point, some of them can be extremely harmful towards us. They can poison our lives, steal our happiness, and we need to recognize when that's happening and do something about it. And now my cannabis use has been really intentional and personal. You know, like 
I... I don't feel that I am addicted to it. And I use it when I'm in a good headspace. I never use it to escape. And so, but there is something, I don't know, subtle about altering your consciousness anyway, like altering your reality, because even if you aren't actively, intentionally using it to escape, you still are escaping, right? And I know that it misaligns with a lot of my beliefs in that sobriety equals clarity. And if I'm putting a chemical into my body, then that's not clarity and that's not sobriety. But for me, sobriety from alcohol is all that matters at the core of me. And I used to be really black and white when it came to sobriety and I got really really angry and really intense and like kind of spilled over into this like hardcore bitchy vigilante version of myself and was kind of like trying to convert people into sobriety instead of just educating um, and leading by example and hoping that people would feel empowered by my decision but knowing that their choice is their own and whatever they're doing is going to be best for them and serving their higher good. And if I choose things that work for me, that that empowers people to choose what's right for them, not necessarily choosing the same thing that I did. But there was a time when I was really quite angry at a lot of things and I wanted people to choose the same path as me because I, it was a way that I, I knew worked and I thought that it at some points was the right way, you know? And Breaking that starkness, that cut and dry separation between um, using drugs and not using drugs, I I softened into it, you know? Like, I now had personal experience of using something and understanding that it's not going to destroy my sobriety just by using it. And, and it empowered me to feel like I could make my own decisions, you know? Like, instead of stealing that away from me, I felt built up by it. And that seems really strange for me to be saying that about a drug, honestly. Um, But it gave me, it's given me more compassion for other people who aren't just like, oh, no, I don't do anything. I don't, I don't do anything. Like, I don't even drink coffee. Because that works for some people, great. And I felt like I was going that way, and and that's not really um, compassionate towards anyone or compassionate to myself. And I just want to, you know, allow for deeper exploration, and I want to allow for gentleness and unconditional love towards myself and others. And if I'm going to be judging people for their choices, it's not... I, I could only expect people to be judging me. And and what we give is what we keep, right? So if, I, if I'm giving compassion and understanding and even empathy at this point, because I know what it's like to use something in, in recovery and explore it a little bit. Um, and if I'm not judging myself for that, how can I judge other people for it? I, I just... Um, 
it's strange to say, but I, I feel good about it. And I think it's actually made me a more caring person. And I have to be grateful for that. And perhaps uh, using it long term is not going to be in my future, but none of us can tell the future. I mean, some people probably can tell the future, uh, but I, I'm more excited just to see how my life unfolds than trying to force it to be one way or the other. And that's another thing. That's another thing we escape from, right, is ourselves and how we want things to be a certain way and we're scared we're not measuring up. And we put all this pressure on ourselves and we make these insane to-do lists that it gets so overwhelming and so anxiety-inducing that indulging in escapism is, is what frees us from that for a while. And, you know, just thinking about all the things I have to do. I used to do it all the time. I'm, I, I didn't want to have to worry about something, a deadline or something, or things I needed to complete. By, and then I would, I would drink to kind of just push the worry away. We escape from worry all the time. I don't want to think about this. I want to turn it off. And, you know, I will say that in the past little while, my head has been spinning with insane amounts of creativity and creative ideas that I I couldn't turn it off. It was like time to wind down at the end of the day and and it wasn't working, you know? Like I couldn't stop thinking about all the things I needed to do or want to do. And it, was, it wasn't like I was stressed out or worrying about these things. It was just so many ideas flooding in my mind and it was exhausting me, but I couldn't stop it. And so I did use cannabis to try and see if it would chill it out. And honestly, it didn't work. So you know what? That's actually a good thing. Knowing that I have a substance in my life that isn't going to be the solution for me not being able to chill out my own brain, I'm really glad that it didn't work. And uh, speaking about that, if if you have used substances in the past to alter your brain, to escape stuff, you know what? Please, please do not beat yourself up for it because you found something that worked, right? And then it worked until it didn't. And you know what? That's just that's just life. We're just trying a whole bunch of things. It's just trial and error. Just trial and error. And we want to be the best, healthiest, clearest versions of ourselves. But that's not going to happen now. Like, I'm 27 years old, you know? Like, I... <laughs> if this is the best version of myself right now, like, Lord help me. I have a lot of years left to uncover just the right way for me. You know, the exact right recipe of things to put into my life. And I just have to allow myself to find that. And everything's going to be different and not everything is going to feel good. And sometimes it'll feel like we're really dreadfully misaligned from the path and our beliefs. And that's an amazing thing because that allows us to know that it's possible. It's possible to act outside of your truth. It's possible to do things you never thought you would. 
we are these complex beings that are capable of so many different things and to pigeonhole us and like put us in is that the right word well like put us inside these tiny little boxes of expectation how limiting is that that's only just going to make ourselves harm ourselves even more be open explore give yourself a break and come to my book launch on saturday I'm so excited. It's at Yanni's in the cast bar below. And it's just like the most beautiful thing. And I have my photographer coming and I'm just going to have some amazing photos to share with you afterwards. If you can't be there, buy my book, pick your poison volume two, buy this one too. pick your poison volume one. Heck even buy my novel Cedar Valley, which I feel like something's released inside of me because I was, wasn't able to read it before. I was really hard on myself up until like maybe, I don't know, a month ago, I like couldn't pick it up and, and read it without severely criticizing myself and being like, Denise, this is the worst book ever. Like, how could you possibly have published this? Like, how, like, how did you not spend more time on this? Why did you just let it go? But that's the thing is that you've got to eventually stop trying to make things absolutely perfect before you start them or absolutely perfect before you let anybody see them. And it was in that release, that letting go of like needing to control it to the oh, nth degree, I was able to open up and, and just share it. And that was really empowering. And even if it isn't perfect, who the fuck cares? I love it. It's my baby. Cedar Valley, my novel, is the first book I ever published. It started this whole journey, you know? And I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here stop talking to you blabbing away, staring at my beautiful plant named Hermes or Hurricane or whatever, and with a stack of books beside me that are all written by me, like, and they're not even the same one. It's like multiple books by me. How incredible is that? I'm so proud of myself. Okay, well, I hope you guys have a fantastic week. Springtime is here. I know people keep saying like, oh my god, springtime's not here. There's gonna be a second winter. Well, like, so what? Why can't we just embrace spring instead of, like, hoping for the worst or, like, expecting the worst? Let's just enjoy it, you know? All right. That's it for me today. Uh, this poem was called Unmooring. I'll read it again for you. I can find it in here. Oh, my goodness. There it is in my paper book. Unmooring. My mind begged to float away, so I severed it at the cord. Clouds filled my eyes until I dreamed of nothing more. Hope your week is filled with happiness and lovely dreams that fill your eyes and clouds that open up so you can see clearly. Much love to you. Until next time. Bye.